Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's About, about time, time for True Crime. Hey. Hey. How are you guys doing on this lovely Tuesday? Are you guys doing like the best? Are you doing okay? Do you kind of wish the world would end so you can stop dealing? Like, let us know. Are you on your way to work? Are you on your way home from work? Are you doing skincare or makeup? I've said this before and I'll say it again. My favorite kind of morning is mm-hmm. one where I'm not rushed, but yep. I have somewhere to be. Yep. But I'm like up early. Like it's in the afternoon and I'm like mm-hmm. up starting at like 10. Yep. I'm fresh out the shower. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fresh shave. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. With the like, okay, I have this apricot oil that makes you yes. feel like a baby's ass. <sighs> so have that. And then like some nice strong lotion and so then i'm like fully soft like oh i don't know yes like a naked mole rat (laughs) and then (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) like only in the best way no i'm just kidding but really and then sitting down to like do makeup but be able to take my time listening to a true crime podcast is the elite kind of morning see for me my ideal podcast listening time i totally agree on the morning Mm -hmm. thing um but I like it when I'm winding down and taking off all my makeup and doing my skincare. Okay. You've kind of got me hooked on this like self-care ritual at the end of the day. I'm just, telling like, you. Take off the makeup, do some skincare, brush your hair. Um, I told you the micellar water was going to change your life. It really. OK, honestly, and I love you so much. I don't know if it's the micellar water, but what I love mm-hmm. is putting it in the little stupid cotton rounds and then putting them on my face and seeing how gross my face is. I love that. It is yeah, so nasty. Yeah, that's what's getting it off your face. Oh, it's so good. And those little cotton rounds are really good. Mm-hmm. I like them. I know. Um, I'm taking credit for it as if like I crafted these you in a did, lab. You did. With your hands. Um, I fucking paid for it. Yeah. So that's that's, <laughs> that's my claim to fame here. That's about it. And Allie, though I wish she was my sugar mama, actually just gave them to me for Christmas and I've been loving them since. But but it makes a difference. It that's does. my go to every single day. And But you gotta get the one with the pink cap. It's gotta be okay, guys. Garnier. Yeah. All right. True talk. Pink cap. If you get the blue one, it says it's like oil free and there's fucking like it there's it there's separates. Something in it. So it's like you really gonna tell me that that's not oil and what okay. Okay. And <laughs> then it like feel like the pink one doesn't leave a film on your face. Yeah. It just feels like it's water. The yeah, other, it really does. The other ones feel like makeup wipes, which is like what I wanted to get away from because I, f- I hated feeling like it was like I was adding greasiness. I was yeah. like taking the makeup off but then I just left a greasy film and I'm like Yeah. This is disgusting. So I, I really liked the take the day off balm and like honestly even the oil one the from Clinique, Clinique. One? Yeah. yeah but it's expensive baby um so now I only only get it when it's on sale so this is great well I'm glad that you like it but yeah it's a good routine to like take care of yourself to care of your mm-hmm. skin because future Abby, you only get well, one skin you. yeah I know mm-hmm. well you know a bunch of layers but one one skin organ that's yeah. it yeah um but that's my favorite time to listen to true crime. So okay. yesterday I did like, I threw it on in my headphones. I had a little glass of like bubbles with me and I started cleaning the kitchen. And I was listening to it. Oh and my then God. like clean home. The kitchen was like spotless, you know, ugh, that feeling right after you clean and the stove is like pristine and you just have like a candle going. Oh yeah. 
and you're like, this is luxury. Uh-huh. It was that plus skincare plus true crime. And I was like, this is the life. Oh, yeah. I'm living in it. Thank I you. I will listen to true crime when I'm cleaning the house, too. Because, like, mm-hmm. and I'll pick, like, long episodes. Like, I, not that I don't like them, but I tend to gravitate less toward short true crime episodes like they have a purpose but i need to be able to like have my phone to switch to the next one yeah so like i need to have what i'm listening to like near me so i can switch over so like if i've got a long drive i am just i'm not that good a driver anyway Mm. so it's not a good idea for me to try to like maneuver that to get into the next one and for some reason mine just like go playing on something random after an episode's up so it doesn't like go in order but anyway i like having a long episode so if it's like an hour yeah a little more than that i'm like all right from start to finish i'm gonna be clean in this goddamn house yeah but i'm not even gonna feel like i am because i'm entertained the so whole time. engrossed in this yes. yeah oh that's how Emphasis i've been gross and you sorry um <laughs> it's been a long day yeah you guys ali and i are really uh we're really putting in we the fucking mi- fried <laughs> yeah i was gonna say we're putting in the midnight oil but let's be real it's 5 p.m um it Ooh. feels like it though our brains are dead yeah um, the three brain cells we share are like yeah bouncing have into you guys each other. seen that episode of spongebob where everything's on fire yeah it's that yeah <laughs> but that's how i've been feeling with the nexium stuff that i've been listening to i'm so excited for your series on that because it's so in-depth like i swear i've heard first-hand accounts from at least three of the different people which has been hours in the listening oh my god so i've been i feel like my house is cleaner than it's ever been (laughs) no seriously but like it gets you through like i love multi-part things i'm like oh because i like deep dives i want to know everything how did this like i don't want to know just what happened i want to know how it happened i want to know why like how do we prevent it again i want to start from the very beginning yeah i want to learn about it I, i don't want you to just tell me the event like back up yep Hold on. Hold your horses. So, um, speaking of which, I know we have a great case to get into from you today. I don't know anything about it other than the name, and it's terrifying already. Correct. And what I did just want to throw in there, you guys, before we do this, is please continue to rate, review, subscribe. We love that stuff, and it's how we grow. But also check out our Redbubble ATFTC pod um, for stickers and designs and merch and all of that. We came out with a few in December and there will be a few launching shortly. So keep an eye out. Absolutely. But really, it helps us more than you know. And it costs you zero dollars to like tell a friend and share it. And if you like five star on Apple, if you like what you're listening to and you want us to continue, that's a really cool way to tell us other than just telling us. Yeah. Which you can also tell us. We'd love that, too. Um, we love the reviews and honestly, truly any constructive criticism we take and we run with, we want to do this for you and for us. I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Okay. Tell me, cause now I'm on the edge of my seat and I really gotta know. Okay. So, well, you guys are like all on the same page now since they clicked on it and then they know the name and you kind of know the name. It's true. It is. So hi, hello and welcome. Hi, hello. Because today. Yeah. We're going to be talking about mm-hmm. the wood chipper murder, Ugh. which is also yeah the murder uh-huh. of Hella Crafts. Oh. Now, I need to preface this with saying that she is Danish. Okay. And I looked up the pronunciation of her name because it's H-E-L-L-E. And everything I saw said Hella. 
which sounds like I don't uh, that's not a name I think that like we would have here yeah um it's like Helen but without the n but I heard other people saying Helly but when I Aww. saw the nanny interviewed which we'll get into later she said Hella so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that but I think it's more like Hella Hella more like that but yeah. I'm not Danish um I love this name as a whole because it just sounds like you're saying someone's doing Hella crafts yeah <laughs> which like who doesn't want to right right i love hella crafts and i love hella crafts uh-huh you know and you're gonna like her more because honestly she sounds very lovely okay tell me about her all right so let's get into it all right i'm in um so hella nielsen was born july 4th 1947 okay in charlotteland denmark and she was this beautiful blonde woman, thin, with a very friendly smile. If you look her up, I just think that she looks like the cutest thing. And she decided that she wanted to be a flight attendant. And in 1969, she actually began training to become a flight attendant for Pan Am while living in Florida. So at some oh. point, she moved from Denmark to the States. But there's really very little information about that timeline or really her time in Denmark. So we just kind of pick it up for when she gets to the States. Okay. Um, and at the very least, I know that she's begun her training to be a flight attendant in 1969. Okay. So. She's a little adventurer. Yes, she is. And she's not afraid to just go out and make a life for herself. Oh, and I'm looking. She is so cute. And she's beautiful. Yeah. She has like a really sweet little smile. That's what I said. I said a very sweet smile. And she's very got friendly smile. A really cute. Okay. This might be a personal thing and it might sound rude, but I really don't mean it. Oh, God. I love, <laughs> I love when things start like that. Tell me everything. I love her little eye wrinkles. I lo- I think that the little wrinkles you get around, like your smile lines around your eyes, I think those are the cutest thing on people. Like they're my favorite thing. And she has really cute ones. You can just <laughs> know because it means you, you're happy a lot. Yeah. Like, that's, I know. She's the cutest thing. She is. And you can, I don't know. She's just got a little air about her. She's full of life. I just think it's so cute. It is very cute. And I think for anybody listening to this, if you need sort of like a mental quick picture of her, I would say if I were casting a movie about this, I would have Melanie Laurent play her. And she's the one she played. I think it was Shoshana in Inglorious Bastards. Yes, that's a really good one. If you're wondering. And who did you think? Oh, and she's got, like, the deep-set eyes of, like, Amy Adams. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I but think I can see the two. I think that would be good. And then um, just so you guys have sort of an idea of her. And then she's going to meet a man. Okay. His name is yeah. Richard Crafts. Okay. The last Richard. name should sound familiar. Okay. Dick Crafts. We all love him. Mm-hmm. And if you were to just, like cast him in a movie i would say you would need to make rob odenkirk really ugly and then he <laughs> could play richard crafts yeah that's my idea so i don't know if that's painting like the most amazing picture but if you've watched better call saul <laughs> then picture him ugly and then that's richard crafts that's dick crafts oh, okay dick okay. so anyway richard was actually an airline pilot so she met him through Wait, work that's cute and he was working for eastern airlines at the time and Richard had actually previously been in the Marines and was a pilot where he was flying covert missions in Laos. And he had done that for five years. And then he went sort of like the civilian route where he wound up at Eastern Airlines. And then, of course, he met our friend, Hella. Okay. So after meeting in May of 1969, the pair began dating. 
and they actually dated for a few years and then they got married November 29th, 1975. And at the time that they got married, she was pregnant with their first. And they actually went on to have three children. Their names were Andrew, Thomas, and Christina. And the couple had relocated to Newtown, Connecticut years prior and were just sort of living the dream. They each worked for their different airlines. They were both successful in their careers. They had three beautiful young children. And from the outside looking in, they were literally living the American dream. Yeah. But as we know and have said numerous times in this podcast, things are not always as they seem. And if we're going to talk about it here, it is not because things went well. Correct. So I want to jump ahead a few years. Behind closed doors, their marriage was, you guessed it, not all unicorns shitting rainbows. Damn it. And to be fair, no marriage is. We can't say, you know, even Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, too, are goals to me. If they, mm-hmm. There's no way they can have a marriage that, you know, it's nothing is going to be as perfect as it seems. Oh, absolutely. That's the whole idea of like a reputation. You're just putting on the best of yourself. And even if it is great, amazing, wonderful, at one point in time, nothing blooms all year long. You're of not going to have the perfect, beautiful relationship, marriage, whatever. And I'd be concerned if you did because that, I just don't think that that's authentic. But when we talk about how this marriage isn't rainbows and butterflies i mean because he was abusive um because this marriage was riddled with abuse and infidelity on richard's part so some of hella's friends actually remember that she had told them that he had hit her a few times and remember seeing her with a black eye and at a family gathering one time he pushed her in front of guests and that was sort of like the first time that family and friends sort of saw any kind of like physical confrontation between the two and it was really unsettling for everybody and friends also said that when they were around the couple Richel, Richel? <laughs> <laughs> richard always seemed secretive and maybe a bit withdrawn okay which i think there's a few factors in here and i just want to like point this out because i think it's an important component of it but it's really not talked about much um he's got a second job okay and that second job is actually as a part-time police officer oh now that part-time police officer is very part-time uh he works like maybe like a security detail very rarely like maybe once every couple of weeks okay So he's not like a beat cop. Don't think he's like out on patrol by any means, but like he might work like security or do traffic control. Okay. But that being said, he also, you know, I'm sure the schedule of an airline pilot isn't, you know, your average nine to five. It's going to be kind of wonky. Of course it is. I think by nature, by design, and they both have that kind of job. They both have that kind of your day can start at 2 a.m. Your day can start at 8 p.m. You don't know what that's going to hold. And they don't work for the same airline, so they're not going to have a ton of time together. Okay. But I think that maybe a bit of why he might have been secretive and withdrawn was just, like, being tired from having two jobs. I can't imagine that he doesn't get home from a day of work and just, like, go pass out. Yeah. So when friends are remembering him being kind of, like, quiet and maybe not always in the room, I would say that maybe that's why. But let's be real. What's most likely is probably because he's an abusive asshole and they don't always put on the best show in front of people what i mean they can some are really good some are great but 
Not but everyone is the brightest crayon in the box. Did you say crayon? Crayon, yeah. Oh, I say crayon. <laughs> is that a Midwest thing? I, I don't other know. people say crayon. I don't know. I've just always said it. Crayon. Oh, no. <laughs> um, okay, well, anyway. Anyhow. I do think, though, that between working both jobs and just having potentially stressful jobs also, I mean, I don't know. His police work, again, I don't think was anything like super stressful but right. i would say that like being an airline pilot certainly Pilot-ca- could be oh, responsible yeah. for everybody on this flying spaceship so yeah i think it's a little and when was this again uh this is in the 70s okay and so i'm not making any excuses for him this is entirely unrelated to him abusing her but you know that we try to put ourselves in the position of everyone we talk about Every the time. victims, the offenders, the bystanders, everyone. So if I'm a friend, I'm kind of thinking, okay, yeah, he's a little weird, but maybe she's even making excuses for him. I'm saying, well, he just right. had a long flight and he flew here, there, and everywhere. I don't know. Flew here from Beijing and then had to do parking down at the rodeo. I don't know. But he just doesn't strike. Rodeo. <laughs> it's fucking <Rodeo>. Connecticut. <laughs> but I do understand that there are also just like some guys that don't want to hang out and like yeah hang with the ladies you know if she's hanging out with her girlfriends he's not gonna he might want to give them time yeah so you have context it just seems like he's kind of uh an abusive piece of shit but also doesn't play well with others and people don't really like him that much yeah so anyway their marriage is rocky to say the least yeah and in 1986 more than 10 years into their marriage Hella had this growing suspicion that Richard may be having an affair. Okay. He was spending a lot of time on the phone. And when the phone bill came in one time, it had some additional charges from several long distance calls. Oh. And when she confronted Richard about this, he ripped the bill out of her hand and he wouldn't speak to her about it. What? Yeah. What kind of playground sandbox shit Mm. is this man on? I know. Okay. And it's, it's only going to get worse. Oh, God. If you're upset about the phone bill, we get a lot more to get through, girlfriend. All right. Come on. So, naturally, Dickard. Hella was upset. Yep. I mean, she was beside herself. And to her, this sort of seals the deal on her suspicions because she's like, who are these calls to? Is this to a woman? And he's like, I'm not talking to you about this. Rips it out and refuses to talk about it. Mm-hmm. She's kind of sure she was right. So, to be 100% sure... She does something I thought was kind of cool. She hired a private investigator. Yes, queen. Which to me just speaks to, I mean, on one hand, I'm like, all right, you independent bitch, like find an out, you go girl. But also how stressed and worried and distraught was she that she felt like she had to hire somebody to kind of follow him because let's not forget his job is literally all over the country, potentially all over the world. I don't know. So he really is spending a lot of nights not at home he is spending a lot of nights in hotel rooms he's spending a lot of nights not with his family and that coupled with long distance calls and other kind of sketch behavior and let's let's just not forget that he's also abusive yeah he's just deciding that he's not going to be speaking with her about this she's very upset this is the father of her three young kids oh so she hires Keith Mayo. Mayo? Mayo. Like, just spelled okay. like you think. Mayo. And Keith is a pretty cool private investigator, I think. But we'll talk more about that later. So, Keith got to work immediately. 
because Hella's main concern was this unknown long distance call, he started there. Right. Keith tracked the number, which belonged to, you guessed it, a young woman. Mm. Her name is Nancy Dodd. Nancy was a flight attendant also working for Eastern Airlines. So that's the same one as Richard, not the same <laughs> one as our friend Hella. And she had a con a condo in, I don't know if it's Middletown or Middleton, New Jersey. It's spelled Middletown, but you know how things go. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she's in New Jersey. Okay. And Keith took a trip to New Jersey and on two separate occasions saw that Richard had spent at least one night at Nancy's home and Keith had gotten some photos. Mm. Now, these photos of them out and about and, you know, in town were them holding hands, hugging, kissing. That's defini- so sad. Definitely, you know, dating. Yeah. And Keith brought what he learned to Hella. And, like, she sat in the car and she looked at the photos and Keith said that she just sobbed yeah. for, like, ten minutes. She was absolutely devastated. She was distraught. Aww. Because it confirmed her suspicions. Well, and how shitty, anyway, to be in an abusive relationship, but then to be with that person and be like, I am here, like, this sh- this is shit, but I am still here, and then to see this person who treats you like shit go out and be with somebody else that they're treating so nice, despite the fact that you're home with their three kids. Yep. And, and not to say that his job, I can imagine, would be stressful, but she works in the same industry. Her job yeah. is also stressful. She understands that kind of way of life. Right. And we're going to talk more about this, but ultimately she was just beside herself. And that was the confirmation that she needed. And in October of 1986, she got a lawyer and filed for divorce. Okay. Because Go she queen. was like, I will not, I will not be tolerating this. That was still in 1986. Yes. This was October 14th, 1986. If okay. you want exacts. And she described her husband to this lawyer as cold and detached. Fast forward to November 18th, 1986. So we're just a little bit over a month after she has filed. Okay. November 18th, 1986 was the last day that Hella Crafts was seen alive. Oh. So on that day, she was finishing work. She had just had a long flight from Germany. She'd been, that's where she had been before. So she gets home, it's nighttime, and a coworker that she was really good friends with was dropping her off at home. Okay. And this was around 7 p.m. That night, Connecticut was getting a pretty bad snowstorm. Okay. So the friend was nice enough to kind of drop her off. She yeah. didn't have to drive in it, and she was like, all right, I'm in for the night. Yep. Because it's really bad out there. Now, Richard and Hello were expected to drop their kids off at her sister's house the next morning. Okay. Um, I think they had lost power at their home, and so they were going to, like, get the kids and the nanny to the sister's house so that they would have a place that did have power. Yeah. Um, okay. But when the morning came and the kids were dropped off, it was only Richard that went. And oh. so the sister's like, oh, okay, where's Hella? And he's like, and she's not here. She took off. Weird. Yep. So days went by. She didn't go to work. She didn't talk to friends. She didn't talk to family. Her kids hadn't seen her. And this was very strange because this was so very much not like her. Yeah. And from what I could put together, again, the snowstorm had caused them to lose power. They had a live-in nanny. So the nanny was with the kids a lot. And I get that. They both have jobs where they're going to be out of the house overnight 
several days of the week i'm sure sometimes on different continents yeah so i can see why that would be a necessity for them absolutely and the children had actually been told that their mom was already at the sister's house so richard had told the kids and the nanny actually that the next morning that hella was just already there so and it was kind of odd because it's like it had snowed terribly you You, did you think she left in the middle of the night to go drive in a snowstorm to go somewhere or yeah so when the kids get there and the mom isn't there that was really odd and auntie's asking where she is yeah yeah and so the nanny's noticing that she was told that hello was already there the sister's like no she's not here where is she and Mm -hmm. he, he has a new reason for that yeah that's red flag it is but really not much to look at yet yeah just okay maybe maybe they got into a fight and she needed to cool off not sure so then her work called because she missed her flight assignment and that was not something that she did and she had missed work so they call her and uh richard told them that she had flown to denmark to take care of her mother who had become ill so she wouldn't be in work for a while so we're on reason number three correct okay and this story then changed to being that, well, she must have gone on vacation. That's what he told everybody when what they the asked. Fuck? And then he oh, said, "Oh, she well, must have gone on vacation." Well, she left me, so she up, she got up that morning, packed her bag, and said, "I'm leaving you," and I haven't seen her. Ugh. Then changed to, well, I think she went to go visit friends in Florida. So okay. I mean, the story changed like as many people as asked. Yes, yeah. seriously, and. It had changed again. The kind of final time was him kind of being like, oh, okay, she left me. Okay. Like, it wasn't just like, I'm packing my bags and going for a few days. It's like, I'm leaving you with the kids. Okay. Everything. Which people who knew her knew that that was never something that she would have done. Right. Well, and also it's the easiest excuse for why you, the withdrawn and abusive husband are alone with the kids Mm -hmm. without your wife like it's just it makes zero sense so police didn't think much of this at first and said that she probably just needed a few days to cool off and be away as they were getting divorced so it was sort of like right there's already trouble yeah there's already tension maybe she felt like it was best for her to not be there for a couple of days whatever yeah could she have handled it better probably but it's not a crime yet I do also think, and this wasn't mentioned anywhere, but I just have to assume, and you know what assuming does? Yep. Um, Makes an ass out of both of us, darling. And if you haven't watched Shit's Creek, this is your homework <laughs> assignment. But I I do think that because he also, he was this prominent, wealthy man, he was a pilot, but he was also at least a certified part-time police officer, even if he wasn't even working, he still got the right. certification, that the police were took his word for it like yeah yeah, he doesn't have anything to hide like yeah they're separating whatever but hey if she went back to denmark to take care of family then so i mean can't falter she's an adult she's got rights she can go do that yeah the thing is though is richard was not concerned about his wife being away in the slightest oh um in fact what investigators soon find out is that he had not only resumed his relationship with nancy dodd Mm -hmm. the one from new jersey but he had also reconnected with an old girlfriend oh how nice. Finding his wife comfort. is fucking missing. And you're just dating? For funsies. Like, I know you guys are separated, whatever. But you're just dating? Yeah. You're just living life? Like, your kids... You've got three kids under the age of 10. 
No, he's just he's thinking with his head, not the up top one. But but it like my heart breaks for those kids because not only they're missing their mom. I mean, they have their nanny, which is great because they have their caretaker with them. Like they're not being left to the wolves, you know, but they're wondering where their mom is and they're asking their dad where their mom is and their dad just doesn't give a shit. No. And in fact, he cares so little. He's actually out on more dates. And he's not comforting his kids missing this mom. No, no, no. He's out of town. He's right. He's left the state. He doesn't care. He's not expecting her home. Right. He's not expecting her to call him and wonder where the hell he is or want get back and wonder where he went. Yep. And he's got a nanny to take care of that. He's good. Dickard. It's like these, these poor children. I don't know. Again, we try to put ourselves in the places of everybody. If I'm one of those kids, I'm like, why is why does dad not care? Right. You know, and the nanny's probably running out of, like, things she can say to and try where to... where is my mom? Yeah, to try to offer any kind of help or anything. It's like... And that shouldn't be on her. No, she's not their parent. But... Ugh. Yeah, it's awful. And so, it was at this time, after a couple of days, that Hella's friends and family were, like, really pushing back on law enforcement. Good. Even her private investigator, Keith Mayo... Nice. ...advocated that Richard be looked at. Keith. Keith, Keith. Just based on what he had seen and what he was hired for. Right. And they were also able to confirm that her mother in Denmark, not only was she not ill, Mm -hmm. but hadn't heard from her daughter, certainly hadn't seen her. Shit. And she was calling, wondering where she was. So this whole story about, well, her mom's sick and she flew out. It's like, she didn't fly out. First of all, I'm not sick. She didn't get here. I haven't seen her. Not for nothing, but for two fucking airline employees you'd think there'd be some record i know if you fly did you think she walked there <laughs> right exactly like, think happened no and it's like you can look that up I there's know. a database we know who we sell these tickets to well it's like 86 but i'm sure they had something yeah. to like cross-reference they could they could have made some calls and see, right. find out if this lady used her passport to go out of country you know what i'm right. saying right and because you know exactly where she's said to have gone i know that's a one phone call mission you know which was made and it was not the case yep so not only is the mom like i haven't seen her she's like i'm worried about her i've been wondering where she is because normally she would have called me right so this just kind of pushed all of these things and hella had actually previously told not only her closest friends but also the divorce attorney that she had hired right that she was afraid of Richard and that if she went missing to, quote, not assume it was an accident. Ooh, hello. That is haunting. To be in a marriage, to live under the same roof, to raise a family with a man that you feel like you need to tell those closest to you. That he could be responsible for your disappearance. Like to look into Ugh. it. And to think that he'd be crafty enough. Yeah. Oh, my God. No pun intended. Richard crafts. Mm-hmm. But. To be witty enough yeah. to make it look like an accident that she's saying, don't assume it was an right. accident. I just don't I, just believe whatever he says. What a haunting sentiment to like what a haunting seed to plant. Yeah. And then actually disappear is terrifying. And isn't that weird? Like, I feel like we do hear of quite a few people who have this inclination before something happens. Right. And I don't. I don't know. It's so interesting to me how many people will like the week before the day before they go missing or something say things like that to people. Well, and that's the thing. You know, we we say in this podcast all the time that abusive relationships didn't start abusive. Oh, hell no. Nobody would have nobody would have gotten through the first date 
if someone beat them or verbally degraded them or did anything right you're gonna get love bombed first abusers are going to be very good in the beginning they're gonna get you invested Mm -hmm. then dependent and then they're gonna start what they're gonna start right and so i can imagine that richard had a time where he was a great partner he was probably treating her like he's treating nancy dodd now yeah holding hands and doting you know yeah and making sure he's got extra time and sleeping in and all that cutesy stuff and then to get to a point where the abuse has gotten so bad where she's like if i go missing yeah look into him yeah your husband the father of your three children that is i can only imagine what her days looked like normally with him i know the time that they did have it's like what what family unit was that right so that was to me that was just so haunting because it's just it's like the last text somebody sends or the last or the last security footage it's like the last really odd thing someone said to you and then they you know about hey if i go missing and then they go missing yeah how haunting how terrifying i think i could not imagine to be one of her friends like to be the friend that dropped her off that night that would be the worst gut feeling and as of right now she's just missing right so we don't know anything right i mean you guys read the title but we don't know anything right okay and with that innocence until proven guilty yeah she's she was just terrified and she already knew that he wasn't afraid to hurt her he'd done that countless times but hello feared something more permanent yeah that's just awful so i want to note here that just two days after she was last seen so november 20th 1986 an employee of the public works department was driving like she was plowing okay you know there had been snow and she saw richard crafts using a wood chipper attached to a box truck on the side of the road on the side of the road correct now this isn't unheard of but what is odd is that this was at three o'clock in the morning oh and that's an odd time no yeah little i'd say maybe just a bit enough for the public works employee to make a mental note of like what the hell yeah why just the hell are you wood chipping at 3 a.m my guy so investigators have that employee show them where on the road that this was mm-hmm. and they agreed Show them the way, and they're like, okay, this is the general area that we're working with here. Okay. So, they surveyed the scene, and they made a pretty horrific discovery. Oh. They found some shredded mail. Okay. And it was confirmed to have had Hella's name and address on it. Okay. So, they could just see kind of pieces of it, but the actual mail didn't get shredded. Like right. It wasn't a shredder. It's a wood chipper. Yeah. So... There were parts of it that were still completely intact. And the part that was, was the part that had her name and address on it. So it was pretty clear (laughs) who that had belonged to. So they also found some bone fragments. Mm. Some of these fragments were skull fragments. Mm. They found part of a nail with red nail polish on it. Sad. They found part of a tooth. And they found several hundred bleached blonde human hairs. So investigators narrowed their focus on Richard. Yeah, that's a good move. They searched a nearby river and recovered a chainsaw that had been discarded. Okay. 
Now, this chainsaw still had very minuscule pieces of human flesh, hair, and blood still in the blades, but it had been dumped in the water. Ew. And the serial number on the chainsaw had been scratched off, but investigators were able to burn sort of the top layer of where it was scratched, like where it had kind of been crossed over. And it revealed like where it was kind of engraved deeper with the serial number. And they were able to read it like it was nothing. Hell yes. Now, the serial number matched the warranty card belonging to Richard Crafts. Nice. So, January 13th, 1987, the medical examiner was able to say with certainty that 39-year-old Hella Crafts was dead. <sighs> also on that day, January 13th, 1987, Richard Crafts was arrested for the murder of his wife. Good. Now, I want to get into the trial because, damn, did they get this motherfucker. (laughs) Yay! So, I didn't see any articles lay it all out chronologically. And with this case honestly being from the 80s, there's not a whole lot of first-hand accounts on it by any means. There's a lot of updates like, oh, 20 years since, but those only ever give the bare minimum information Right, and it's like, when this happened 20 years ago, it sent her into a spiral. Where is she now? Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. And so it was very difficult to put things together here. Okay. And even difficult with their discovery. So I didn't see anybody really lay it out in order. Okay. Or really include a, include all of what was said in the trials for evidence and testimony. Yeah. So I dug through several sources and tried to put it together. So what I'm going to walk you through is the way that I best could like put it this in some kind of sense. Okay. So... Asshat Dick Crafts mm-hmm. is on trial in 1988. Okay. And they've got lots of evidence. So I want to start where I'm guessing they started, which is their marriage. Okay. So I'm literally telling this in the order that I think makes the most sense for prosecution to have addressed it. <laughs> so I'm pull- I'm fully just speculating. Okay. But the facts are real. The order might be different depending on how they presented it. So... I'm not an attorney, but if I were, I would hone in on his abuse, his lies, and his infidelity to give an accurate depiction of who he was in their marriage. Yeah. So, to my knowledge, and in so many words, this is what happened. It was determined that the affair with Nancy Dodd was not just a one-time thing. It wasn't even a few times a year kind of fling. It was ongoing and had been for mm. years. Years? Years. Oh, hella. Nancy was not his first girlfriend. She was certainly not his last girlfriend. He had spent his entire marriage cheating on his wife Mm. with several women. Now, he lied to his wife about his flight schedules so that it would buy him time with his various girlfriends. Because remember, he's got girlfriends kind of all over the country. Yeah. So he's taking extra days here, there, and everywhere to spend time with them. You know, time he could be home with his wife and kids. Yeah, those three beautiful bundles of joy you created. That you made. With a beautiful, loving woman. Yes. Okay. That looks like Shoshana from Inglorious Bastards, who's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, like, yeah, you'd rather go with who? All right. Yeah, no, for sure. Let's do that. Dick. So, let's just say, at the very least, he's taking extra days on several of his work assignments to stay at their homes so that there's no, like, hotel receipt, anything like that. Okay. Now, Keith Mayo testified in court, and Keith explained that he discovered Richard's cheating on several occasions, spending the night with the other flight attendant, Nancy. Right. And he testified that when he brought that evidence 
to Hella that she sobbed uncontrollably. When Richard was confronted about his infidelity in his interview with the police, he said, quote, I'm away from home many days of the month. You run out of books to read. Are you fucking kidding me? I wish I was. I mm, you what don't an asshole. What an asshole. You don't fuck a book, dick. It doesn't matter how many there are to read. He's just and to him it's just like, yeah, what about it? Honestly, like, dick what's, does what's suck it to ass. you? What's it to you? You know, it's like, what the fuck? Ew. Such a just you run out of book street. Watch a fucking movie. Such a dick stick. It's uh, a it just, podcast. I uh, in the eighties, I don't think so. Twiddle your thumbs, damn it. <laughs> call your wife, asshole. I know. Have phone sex. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Talk to your kids on the phone I and like what? tell them good night. You ask dick. about their day. Be like, what little noodle crafts did you make that I have to pretend look beautiful? Come on, dick. Ugh. Be a good husband, dick. Dick does suck ass. so in terms of how he interacted with his children there's a little bit of a backstory here okay now richard and hella had been dating a few years before they got married remember they had dated about six years okay and while they were dating hella had discovered that she was pregnant okay he was so disgusted by this that he beat her and forced her to have an abortion are you fucking kidding me nope and Hella had been under the impression that she was unable to have children. I don't I don't know why. Oh my god, to do that to a woman? So he she thought that she couldn't. So when she did get pregnant, she was floored. Ecstatic. Well she was yeah, she was surprised. I don't well, I yeah. mean I don't think that she wanted to have an abortion, let me put it that way. Yeah. Um but when she was pregnant the second time, Richard said that she was too far along to have an abortion. Okay. So out of obligation he just married her because that's what you do when you knock someone up and at that point I don't know if she had tried to, like, hide it from him so that she could have the baby. And at that point, like, she wasn't going to be able to get an abortion. So he said, all right, fuck it. I guess I'll marry you. Oh, how fucking romantic, Dick. And he even said that he wasn't even sure the kids were his, even though, yes, they fucking were. With what? Okay. It's just anything to distance himself from his family is what he'll do. And so. Well, and this is the thing that bothers me. Um. Just because you're cheating doesn't mean your partner is and doesn't mean that you can just throw that around because sounds like you're projecting. Yeah. Come on, guy. Let's look into it. Come on, Dick. So in more recent years, the time that he was home was spent most often in the basement away from his kids, not interacting them and usually with a drink in hand. Oh, what a nice dad. Yeah, no, he's great. He's like dad of the year material for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it was also included that friends and her divorce attorney had remembered her being scared and that she had warned them again to take notice if anything happened to her, that it shouldn't be disregarded. Right. So all of these people are coming out to say these things in the trial, right? Good. So then we get to the timeline where prosecution entered some pretty damning evidence, which I think is awesome. Yay. And the week leading up to her disappearance... Richard had purchased a large capacity freezer in cash Aww. and refused to provide his name to the salesman. So How he did they needed, know that? He needed that like for a receipt because the salesman was able to ID? tell him who did it. Oh, that's but he good. wouldn't put anything in writing. So normally like for the receipt, I guess they would like have his name on file. Oh, okay. And he refu- like, refused to give it to them. Damn. And Why not just come up with a fake ass name? He also had a U-Haul truck while his truck was being repaired. So he had this like big... Okay. U-Haul box truck. 
And on November 18th, Richard Crafts had rented a wood chipper for a three-day period. So he'd have it from oh. the eight. He'd have it from the eight. No, 18th, 21st. Yep. Yeah, 18th, 19th, 20th. Well, yeah, and he would return it on the 21st. Yeah. I want to put a pin here, and I want to switch gears to the nanny. So put okay. the, put the pin in the timeline. All right. The, the wood chipper, the freezer, and all that shit. Okay. Okay. The nanny's name was Don Thomas, and she recalled hearing the couple arguing frequently. Okay. But remembered a particularly bad argument the week before her disappearance, and she recalled that Helen looked really upset, like she'd been crying after this fight. Oh. And she said that on November 19th, so the day after Hella was last seen, she didn't see Hella, but was told, like the children, again, that she was already at the sisters. Right. And so when they got there, she was just surprised as the kids to find out that she wasn't there. Right. And that was strange. She also recalled that he didn't seem concerned or surprised that she wasn't there. Like, he wasn't like, oh, I thought she was here. Is she not? Right. It wasn't like what she told me. Yeah. It wasn't like he was also in the dark. So she kind of, you know, tucked that away in her memory. She also remembered this lady. I love her. She also remembered seeing a dark stain on the carpet in the couple's bedroom. Hey. And within a few days, the carpet had been removed, rolled up and replaced as if nothing happened. And Richard refused to tell her why. What? Does he understand how bad that looks uh i think he i think he really thought he really thought he had everyone fooled and he just replaced things i mean it looked good like the the carpet had been replaced it didn't look like it had been replaced it wasn't like this haphazard job right but like everything in a whole sure maybe one of those things on their own like oh i guess they're doing renovations oh i guess she, you know he didn't know she was going there maybe to a different sisters like Anything individually, maybe, but everything together is so fucking condemning. Isn't it? Anyway. Oh, no, I know. The last thing that she remembered that seemed odd to her, at least, was that Richard had bought this huge freezer and put it in the garage. And then just a couple days later, it was gone. Yeah, that's pretty weird. That's a a pretty big investment to just up and loose. Absolutely. So she was like, huh, that's weird. So, take the pin out, along with the renting the wood chipper and everything. They could also see that he purchased carpet to replace what was in the bedroom. So, it just, it narrowed the timeline down to being just after she's disappeared. So, it wasn't like weeks later or anything. Again, remember this trial in 88, so it wasn't like the next year he replaced that. And that's really damning. It was within days. So... They could also see that he had purchased new sheets, a new comforter, and pillows. Suspicious. So then, other evidence was entered in terms of what was found in the craft's home. Okay. Okay. So, hairs found at the scene were confirmed a match for hairs found on her hairbrush at the house. Okay. So, they they were positive that this was her blonde hair that they found. Yeah. The red nail polish found on the nail at the scene was matched to a bottle of red nail polish in their home. Okay. It was on her nightstand. Ugh. I know. On the couple's bed, there were very small traces of blood spatter, and I mean very small. However, the box spring was missing. Okay. So the mattress was just on the floor. 
Oh. Okay. Now, this blood was confirmed to be circulation blood, which I thought was interesting, as opposed to menstrual blood. So they can tell the difference. And the techs were basically able to confirm that this was blood. Right. So it's not like like from a cut or something. Yeah. 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 Some kind of injury. And there was this little... I don't, I don't like the word schmear. I really don't, but it's kind of what it was. It was like this little spot. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's a fucking schmear. <laughs> it just is. Of blood on the side of the mat. Sorry. On the side of the mattress that was like six inches. It was like a swipe. Okay. Oh, yeah, and, it is a schmear. And I know. There's no way around it. And they believe that to have been from her head. So they think that she was... Hmm. Her ba- they think her back was to her attacker. She was facing the bed, kind of leaning over it. She got struck in the head. Oh. And they think that from there she fell. And as she fell, her head like swiped the side uh. of the bed. And so it got blood on it just in that small okay. area. And they seemed pretty sure about that. So... This blood was confirmed to belong to a female and was confirmed to have the same blood type as hers. Now, again, this is the 80s, so this isn't blood spatter evidence and testing and DNA testing that we have today. But know that this was huge for the 80s to even be able to tell that much. Yeah. So, In fact, I'm impressed that in the 80s they knew the difference between menstrual blood and circulatory blood. Yeah, that they were able to do that. So I just thought that that was, and we'll talk more about this, but this was huge. So, in the back of the U-Haul that he had, DNA was found that was confirmed to be the same blood type as her as well. Mm-hmm. And the scientific evidence in this case was backed by Dr. Henry Lee. Okay. And he was a forensic scientist who was making huge progress in linking DNA and blood trace evidence. Yes, and Henry. It, again, remember, the 80s. It wasn't then what it is today. People like Dr. Lee are the reason that we have what we have today. Right. And he actually went on to consult for high profile criminal cases. Yeah. Some of those cases, just to name a couple, the OJ case. I was going to say, I know the name. John Benet Ramsey. Yep. And Scott Peterson. There we go. So he went on again to make just leaps and bounds even beyond this. But this is what he was working on, you know, 40 years ago. Damn. Which is just incredible. So, prosecution theorized that this is how this went. Okay. They said that Richard had murdered Hella the night that she returned home from work on November 18th. Likely with blunt force in their bedroom. So, likely blunt force trauma to the head. They believe that he cleaned up the blood as best he could. He used towels from the bathroom and just tried to contain the mess, essentially. And then picked up her body and put mm-hmm. it in that industrial size freezer that he had just got. Right. And he left her there until she was frozen solid. Oh. And then after that, they said that he used the U-Haul to bring her body to some other property that he owned. Where he, using the chainsaw, cut her body into smaller pieces. Okay. Um, and then from there, he fed those smaller pieces into the wood chipper. And those pieces were mostly, like, aimed in the river and discarded, like, in a bunch of different ways. Right. And they believe that he then took 
branches and vegetation and anything smaller and fed that through the wood chipper to try to clean out everything in it yeah and i think that that's what the public works Ah. worker saw him doing okay that makes sense so i think he might have moved closer to the road at that point to clean it out right and that's why in that small area they found only a couple of things right but when they expanded their search and looked more at his property and everything around yeah because they were like now we have an idea this is grotesque but we have an idea of what it is that we're looking for right i think that's where that came from wow crazy what an ass hat. Oh, yeah. And so, but he, he really thought that he was so crafty. Oh, my God. I did it again. But re- crafts, I know. But really. I think it's, like, ingrained in him. But he's really fucking good at that. Like. Yeah. It was all thought out. Now, granted, he didn't do that good a job because we're right. talking about him. Right. But two of had that plan to get the freezer get that like there isn't a body but anyway we'll talk freezer that you have nothing down saying that you did other Mm -hmm. than someone's memory or maybe a store camera Mm -hmm. then you have the whole notion of like getting a chainsaw renting a wood chipper scratching off a serial number to not connect it to you on the um on the chainsaw yeah yeah and then discarding shit in a river Mm mm-hmm like that's that's a lot and who knows where else everything was discarded oh you know what yeah I'm saying yeah so after he tried to clean out the wood chipper with all that vegetation and everything he returned it on the 21st of november so again he only had it for a few days and gave it back because right. it was just rented and just kind of washed his hands of it and thought he'd be fine and if this Dick. sounds a little familiar to you i want to add that the wood chipper scene in the movie fargo is inspired by this case so if you've oh my seen gosh. if you've seen that, I have. I actually just recently saw it. Yeah. So that that really gruesome Ugh. scene is inspired by this case. That's nuts. Just in case you were like, oh, I've seen that before. You have. Okay. And All it, right. And it oh, was don't huge. you know? Oh uh, yeah. Oh, don't you know? Minnesota. I can't do it. Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go more, in a boot. That's more your thing. Yeah. Uh, Canada is an ooh, mm-hmm. and Minnesota is an o. Okay. Yeah, so Get it's it? like, yeah, <laughs> it's like if I was in Canada, I'd be like, oh, I got the moose and we're going out in a boot. Um, but if I'm in Minnesota, I got the Minnesota and I'm going out in a boat. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thanks. You're fun at parties. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. We shouldn't be joking. We have to. That's the only way we get through this. Yeah, if I'm not laughing, I'm crying. That, yep, that's basically it. So, yeah, so if that sounded familiar to you, that's why. But oh, I always like including, like, where we see these cases in media, like how it's portrayed, who picks it up. Right. Um, I also want to add that the very first episode of Forensic Files, mm-hmm. which is very near and dear to my heart. I yeah. remember growing up on Forensic Files, but the pilot episode is based on is this case. Oh, is covering shit. this case. I did not know. Um, so I did watch that for this, but that was just more like, I just wanted to listen to the narrator's voice because the new oh, Forensic yeah. Files isn't him. So Yeah, it's not the same. It just hits a little different. It's not bad. It's just different, you know, but it was very nostalgic to go and just like the reenactment. I don't yes. know. Yes. Oh, just, the Forensic file reenactment. It just, it hits different. But anyway, back to this trial, the jury deliberated for 17 freaking days. And days days i thought you were gonna say minutes and came back and we're like see you later dick 
Nah, dude. Fuck. I cannot imagine talking about anything for 17 days straight. And I mean 17 days straight. You get there, you go in this room, you're stuck with these 11 other people that you don't know and you have to talk about one of the most gruesome crimes ever. Yep. For 17 days. I can't imagine that if I were a juror that that wouldn't have had some kind of permanent effect on me. Yeah. You know, because they already, they had had to move this trial. (sighs) away i think like a few towns over or a couple right. counties over because of how deeply people were affected that directly lived there well and yeah this case once some of this information got into the news it became national headlines like someone yeah dismembering their wife with a chainsaw after freezing her on a cold winter's night and then putting her through a wood chipper and then putting her through a wood chipper and people have we've barely found anything of her Mm -hmm. if you think that didn't make for like front pages i know and for those of you who asked for a new england case you got connecticut again connecticut's got some issues man damn i've covered a lot of connecticut we gotta get some good therapists down there (laughs) but at the end of the 17 days they were deadlocked right 11 guilty one not guilty are you fucking kidding me? i'm not fucking kidding you so obviously a mistrial but then Richard Crofts was tried again, and this time, testimony from his brother-in-law was entered, oh. who said that Richard almost jokingly encouraged dive teams to search rivers because he said, you're never going to find a body. Oh, my God. Like, he was just confident, like, hands in his pockets, like, yeah, sure, go ahead. What a dick. Literally. I know. So, the defense knew that they were fighting a losing battle in this one because they had already nearly lost the last one. You yeah. Know? Like, it was... 11 guilty one not guilty yeah at this point the defense just said can you consider a lighter charge of manslaughter the reason for this the reason for this is because a body was not found and it's very difficult to get a first degree murder conviction where there's no body yeah i know but these jurors said yeah nah and convicted him of first degree murder oh yeah because i was gonna say for me the whole thing with manslaughter is it is great when you cannot adequately prove that that was the plan but this is all the plan oh the only thing that is missing is the dead woman correct and so this case didn't again only make national headlines because of it was because it was so gruesome right but also because this case actually made history this was the first case in connecticut history where someone was convicted of a murder where a body wasn't found fuck yes connecticut like of first degree murder i mean they, right. they locked this man away and they didn't actually have a body good so I also want to just specify here because at first I kind of thought twice about it too. But in theory, you could find a tooth, a nail, and some hair, and even some bone, depending on where. And that person's surely, certainly been injured. Mm -hmm. But does that mean they're dead? But then, I just want to point out, if you were thinking that too, that they found skull fragments. Yeah. And were able to, like, confirm that that's what and again you got to think fragment like they were small pieces of bone but they were able to confirm that that was a part of her head and so if you're like well is she even dead or did she just like cut off a finger and like dip yeah no no she's dead well and i think 
I think in my mind, a few things add up. One, he was abusive. We mm-hmm. know that people with a history of abuse are likely to continue abusing unless something stops them. Mm-hmm. And usually that means there will be some escalation, whether or not that's like, oh, I learned of this new tactic to beat my wife or like, oh, I'm going to do it worse now. Mm-hmm. People live and learn and grow for better or worse. And unfortunately, this is an area that we see that. And so if that hadn't been a part of it, if he was a loving, doting husband who suddenly got withdrawn when his wife disappeared, that to me reads very different than the guy who's never around, who his wife had to hire a PI to feel comfortable with the results that she got. Like she didn't trust him enough Mm -hmm. and also didn't feel safe enough to even like do anything about it. And then to say, if I go missing and then for all of these things to be found. And for the timeline to be broken down, that he bought a freezer mm-hmm. and then rented a wood chipper Rep- and then got a chainsaw that he took all the, like, he tried to scratch the serial number off of yep. with a warranty card that confirms it was his, but it was found in a nearby river. Right. And then also replacing your carpets and doing a whole home reno. With only in the bedroom. Yeah, with new bedding and sheets and where all that shit. Where little blood was found, but the mattress is on the floor, so where's the box spring? Yeah. They couldn't figure that out. Or the actual fucking bed frame. Any of it. If you're going to spend money on a new comforter, get a bed frame, my guy. You know, it's just all of that put together to me is like there's not an ounce of doubt in my body that she is dead. I want to know what the one juror in the first trial was smoking. Or uh, whatever fucking evidence they had that he thought was so strong that this man clearly must not have done it. I think it could just be that the defense, you know, if I'm a, if I put myself in a defense attorney's position, mm-hmm. I would say that this is a woman who, you know, because and again, all attorneys are manipulative. That's the point. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you you do have to use the facts to your advantage. That's yep. that's part of it facts are facts but you spin them baby (laughs) like that's what it is so if i'm a defense attorney and i want to make hella the bad one and i want to make my client this amazing person i'm gonna say that you know she's got family in denmark Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to be here anymore Mm -hmm. so she's just gonna up and leave yeah her kids are american citizens she can't take them so she's just gonna flee because she doesn't want to do this anymore there's no body. Yeah. You know that she didn't want to be with him. She filed for divorce, not him. Right. So who are we to say that she didn't just take off and want this to look bad? Right. Well, and honestly. To get back at her cheating husband. Because you don't have to like Richard. No. You but you have, have to, to consider that he's not guilty for this because where's the body? Right. Right. You know, I think and I don't know what the defense attorney said, because, again, in the second trial, they were like, can you just consider manslaughter? And they were like, fuck you. But really. That- in the first one, they had a chance there because, again, this was yeah. unprecedented. This had never happened before. Well, a murder, a first degree murder conviction with no body. Mm-hmm. You've got a tooth, a piece of nail, and some hair. You know. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's two percent. Like, like where you know, like the, a couple of bones, sure. But are you really going to tell me that didn't belong to a little squirrel? You know, like yeah, the possibilities. And again, it's you couldn't say 80s. you couldn't say that now, yeah. but forty years ago, fifty years ago. This is groundbreaking science. You know how many yeah. groundbreaking things have been proven to be a farce? Yeah. There's that. And also, I think if I was a defense attorney, I'd be going on reasonable doubt. 
Mm-hmm. I just listen. Your whole role here as a juror is not to determine whether or not he is guilty. But if he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, if there is any fragment in your brain that thinks maybe no fragment. Did you do that on purpose? No, but I heard it after. OK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if there's any piece of you who thinks maybe no, then that's a no. It's not. Well, probably, but I have a concern about this thing. That's a no. Like, that's what I'd be going off of. It's very technicality, like, definition-based arguments. If the glove doesn't fit, Mm -hmm. you must acquit. Like, it's just if there's no body, you can't convict him. Correct. Because it had never been done before. And so, again, we put ourselves in the position of everybody. If I'm the defense team, that's what what I'm angling at. Maybe that's what it was. But as the prosecutor, I'm going to say... Here's this timeline. Hold the fuck up. Yeah. Here's this timeline. Let's let's start the beginning of November. No, let's start in October. She files for divorce. He yeah. knows because he's been served. Yep. The week before she goes missing, he rents this, purchases this, lines this up. Mm-hmm. The next day that she gets home from work, she's not seen again. Yep. Family's told to expect her. She's not there. And Richard's not surprised. Why? Yep. He's not, he know? he's not bothered by this at all. Why? He's not expecting her home. Why? Why? Why does he know not to expect a call from her? Why does he know not to expect her to walk through the door? Why does he know not to expect to actually have to go through the, with this divorce? Literally. That and also like, okay, so obviously there was an issue with the infidelity here. Not only does she know, she found out and now she's filing for divorce through a P.I., why are you upping your dating game? Mm-hmm. Why were you like, this is a safe time to expand on that? And why are you so unbothered by the fact that she's not there? Because that's still your wife and you're not the one that wanted the divorce. Yeah. At the end of the day. You- so where's your concern? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just, I can, I could see how they could try to swing both sides. But I think that if you just look at the facts and you take the opinion out of it and you look at the actual timeline, mm-hmm. that's damning. It is. But would be more damning is a fucking body. And they don't have that. Yep. And what is insane is that all of these circumstances are damning enough that they said it fucking doesn't matter. We get it. Yeah. We get the picture. Be he, There isn't a body because he made sure there wouldn't be at one left. Yeah. There was one. At one point. Yep. Yeah. And I think my takeaway from this case is really just that I feel like it solidifies everything I always say when I'm like, you know, circumstantial evidence isn't a whole picture, but it can build up a lot of circumstances. Mm -hmm. This is a case in which circumstantial evidence has entirely framed this entire 24 to 72 hours. Yep. And that's enough. Like, that's all I need. It is enough. It is enough. Because she didn't come walking. She didn't come walking through that door again. No, and you know what? She didn't pop up in court like, surprise, bitches, but you thought you saw the last of me. Yeah, no, none of that. No. Meanwhile, there's three kids without their mom. Yeah. And let's not forget orphans now because they don't have their dad because at the age of 49, Richard was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Fuck. So that was in November of 1989. But. But? But. Oh, shit. Big butts. I can't lie. I wrote that. No. Yeah. Babe. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> uh apparently time must move faster for Richard than the rest of us because in 2020 he was released to a halfway house. Are you fucking kidding? So if you're thinking Allie, if he was released in 2020, he didn't do the full 50 years. He didn't even serve 40 years. Yeah. What the fuck? I would say yes. I know. 
You're very good at math. <laughs> but the state of Connecticut is not. <laughs> it seems. Uh, no. Oh, wait, just was he a model prisoner because there were no women to kill? Correct. Oh, um, so the reason for this bullshit is actually because Connecticut had a law that has since been repealed, but at the time that he was sentenced, had a law that allowed good behavior to reduce someone's sentence. And in Richard's case, it reduced so much time that he was released more than a decade before he was supposed to be. Yeah. So I think it was like for every month of good behavior, you got five days off. So if you had yeah, that 12 months of good behavior, then you would get over a month off. And that right. adds up when you serve 20, 30 years. Like, yeah. If you're getting a month for every year that you serve and you do 30 years and that's 30 months that you're getting off, that's yep. that's a lot of years, you that's know, years between literally. that and some other th- programs he did that got him out early. It was ridiculous. Well, and just so we all know, for the sake of being the one who worked at a halfway house, mm-hmm. some people who are at halfway houses, it depends on what the circumstances are, are still inmates. So they can be returned to prison if they have bad behavior. But not everyone. Well, I'll say this. In early 2020, just before the world went to shit, he was released to a veteran's halfway house. Okay. And was expected to be completely off of all correctional supervision by June of 2020. That's fucked up. And I couldn't find an obituary on him. I couldn't find any current information. So to my knowledge, he's alive he may still be in new england and he's in his mid-80s just living his life hi dick i hope you hear this you're the worst so that is the very unfortunate i think end to it because i would have been happier if you were still incarcerated yeah and here's the thing it pisses me off that that man could get out and still be off of any correctional supervision still like a decade Mm -hmm. early like that's not right now granted i don't know if he's like you know in his mid-80s and he's like renting wood chippers and shit i I doubt that that's the case and it's got to be an entirely new world that he was let out into especially Mm -hmm. june 2020 it's yeah i can't think of a worse time to be let out but you know what you deserved it dick yeah he really did all i can say is i hope he has the worst erectile dysfunction anybody has ever had like i hope he looks at a model and it goes limper than it was naturally oh my like i hope his dick turns into unset jello (laughs) for the rest of his life god i'm sorry if this whole thing was because he didn't want to get a divorce or like i don't know he was just angry at woman because god forbid women and like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the whole time he's cheating no 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 you don't get to do that you don't get to hate women and also fuck them goodbye Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. no unset jello dick i hope it Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean i hope he steps on (sighs) lego every day yeah i hope he stubs all of his toes I hope that uh, the color of Mm. red nail polish makes him throw up. I hope that every, like, I hope he got COVID and I hope that it took away his smell and fucked up all of his taste and his favorite food tastes bland now. Yeah. Now that he's finally out of prison and could have it, he can't even have it. Yeah. I hope um, that he has the most minor inconveniences every day. You know what I mean? The day that nothing goes right, but I hope that's every day. Like, I hope that today is worse than yesterday, but not as bad as tomorrow. Yes, correct. And, like, I don't know. My heart breaks. And maybe this is me being a human who has lived, like, the female experience and grew up very girly and has all of this. But, like, something in my little heart 
always breaks when we talk about nail polish. And I don't know what it is. Like, there's something just very fun about it because, yeah, makeup is fun. It's an art form. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different ways to play with it. But there's also a lot of different reasons people wear it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're in abusive relationships and are covering up bruises. Sometimes they're trying to make their features look like something they like because they have Mm -hmm. bad self-confidence. Sometimes it's for art. But nail polish is always just solely because it's like, oh, that looks pretty. I like that. Mm -hmm. Because what the fuck are you going to cover up on your nails? Like, unless you got a blood blister from being a construction worker, there's not really much you're doing there to conceal. Right. So it's really just this positive self-care experience. Yeah, it's something we can all relate to. Go, oh. Yeah. And like, I bet the night before her flight, she's doing her little nails on the like you know mm-hmm. on the bed on the bedside table in the bathroom or whatever probably listening to her favorite music or a tv show in the background and making sure she's all packed for her trip puts a little nail polish on the side table maybe even while she's on the flight thinks damn i meant to grab that because what if one chips mm-hmm. and that's it that's it and that makes my heart so sad like Let's think of those kids that mm-hmm. were orphaned by their own dad. And this isn't the first case by any means that we've talked about where yeah. one of the parents has killed the other and, you know, in, in that relationship. But it just, it bothers me so much when someone does that to their, you know, yeah, people lose parents all the time and it's heartbreaking. You've got a parent who took one of them away from you. And now they've been taken. And now they've also made it so that they're also gone. Yep it's just it's awful it is i hope those kids have endless peace like i i know it's got to be hard well, i know there's be in their so much trauma 40s 50s now so Shit. i hope so yeah um i did i purposefully didn't try to look into anything about them because i think they should have a little bit of like peace now but yeah. i mean this wasn't that long ago no and for our New England listeners who said, please do more New England cases. I like it. It's like in my own backyard. Uh-huh. Uh, there you go. He could be. <laughs> yeah, he literally could he be. He right, could be. Right now. Mm-hmm. Right You better now. go check. You should go look. Um, If you see a wood chipper magically show up in your lawn, call the cops. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was... Or your neighbors. See if they're doing anything first. But then the cops. That was a very um, unfortunate into yeah. it but again he may have passed i just could not find anything on him like in january 2020 they were talking about how he was expected to be released in like february okay and then in february they said he was expected to be off of all supervision by june okay and then there's no update again fuck so well i don't know that sucked yeah thank you for sharing yeah <laughs> don't um, mention it <laughs> any time no seriously don't fucking mention it <laughs> don't talk about it at all um you guys if you wanted to see faces pictures places and things of any of the people places pictures and things that we talked about mm-hmm. go to our instagram you can do that by opening up instagram or a web browser of your choice Ooh, and going to instagram and in that little search box you're going to look up about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word so that's going to be a-B-O-U-T, period, T-I-M-E, period, F-O-R, period, T-R-U-E, period, C-R-I-M-E, period, P-O-D, because podcast was too long. So, once you do that, 
go check out all the little posts. Look at Dickard. Look at all of these beautiful, beautiful hella and places that we're talking about and that awful shit face. And then check out our reels. Look at some of our reprieves, some fun memes, some resources. And give us a little DM. Tell us if you liked it, if you hated it, if you are now terrified of wood chippers, because same. Um, but if you wanted to send something longer and pod pets and stuff like that, you could email us. But Ellie, how would they do that? So if you wanted to email us, you would go to about time the number four TC at gmail.com. So that's A B O U T T I M E numeric four T C at gmail.com. Um, keep it appropriate, but really send your pod pets, send your case recommendations, send your case feedback, just say hi. Yeah. Send your hometown murder, something that's interesting to you. Um, I would love to hear people's like inside scoop on cases and things yes. like what happened in your home like what what was the town like after that what was what changed I want to since that crime yeah I want to hear kind of about the culture shift but I'm also so fascinated in first responders who have to deal with some of these shitty people mm-hmm. like even nurses like nurses have to treat a bunch of assholes oh yeah and then you still have to go to work the next day like it's not like work stops after you have dealt with yeah. Some of these people or some of these victims that you've had to care for or see in oh that state. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so let us know. Tell us your experiences. You know, part of the beauty of this podcast is the community that we're growing. And that includes you, baby. So send it on in, please. We love you. Yeah, so and much. I look at my watch. I believe that that was about, about time, time for True Crime. crime. Bye. Later. Later.